we're on episode 12. I may or may not have some Spidey Pool fan fiction cooking, <gasps> but that is confidential. No one will ever know unless I decide to publish it or not because it may not exist, but it does. <laughs> Because I've been I've been writing Game of Thrones fanfiction for so long now, and then before that it was like Metal Gear. So it's weird for me to write fanfiction about like a place that exists right now. Sure, yeah, no, I get that. It's but like it's in- really weird now looking up maps of New York City to like understand where things are because it's like people have been to New York City. Like if you're writing about a fictitious island in Alaska, like mm-hmm. nobody's been to, to Shadow Moses Island. It doesn't exist. Right. Unless it does, and you live there, you have to tell us. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, if I list two streets that don't intersect or something, someone's going to be like, mm. <laughs> Yeah, or I'm subscribed to this YouTube channel. Anyway, this guy does, like, ancient historical recipes, like, like 16th century back. And I'm like, oh, great, this is exactly what I need. <laughs> oh, well, that's so cool. So, like, I've been writing, like, I, I wrote a fake recently, or, like, a little blurb where I mentioned restaurants, which are, like, these buns that, they that like, medieval people would make. Mm-hmm. And all you would do is you would make, like, a two-inch tall dinner roll, basically, cut the top out. The recipe says, in the shape of a crown, you know? Yeah. And you would scoop out all the inside, and then you would mix the inside with, like, butter and honey, and then you would put the guts back in and you would bake it. And then you'd bring it back out, and then you'd cover the top in, like, more butter and honey, and that was called Rastons. And that's not a food people eat anymore, because presumably we Diabetes. got more- Diabetes? <laughs> well, I was gonna say, presumably we got more stupid, but- <laughs> But sure, diabetes also. But like the guy's eating it. He's like, this is delicious. I can absolutely see this. And so I've been like writing this stuff into like Game of Thrones fan fiction that I write. And like people that are reading it are like, what the hell is a Raston? I Googled it. And it's like I had to read like a old English manuscript. And I'm like, don't look at me. <laughs> don't look at me and how much I love food and fan well, fiction. Well, I would like you to know that the spirit of Raston lives on in Japan and Korea because it sounds a lot like honey toast. Where like you get the big, thick, like almost loaves I always thought it looked like a real a big ass piece of Texas toast. <laughs> yeah, well, well, there are like the big fat slices that are like an inch, maybe two inches tall. But then sometimes I've seen them where they're like five or six inches tall. Like it's mm-hmm. just a fucking half loaf of bread. So I'm just gonna imagine if I ever read any of your Game of Thrones fan fiction that Theon Greyjoy is eating just a giant honey toast, just one big square <laughs> loaf of bread. Yeah, and it's got like a bunch cream. Of- garbage and like, in it like a chocolate like kitty cat on the plate like he's oh, at a maid wow. cafe <gasps> wow oh my god cat you've really done it okay here's my here's my promise it is currently july 27th by the time this podcast airs i'm gonna write a maid cafe game of thrones au <laughs> just Amazing. just for you how long do we have between like we record and then how like long four be- weeks four, four or five weeks okay so yeah so so that's that's how long I have. To so, write Maid um, of Thrones. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. Kat, you're out here killing it. <laughs> I would not have thought of that title in a million years. <laughs> Harry Holland. If you carb. write it, I will draw and paint a watercolor for it. Incredible. All right. We should just post a link to the fic and the picture the week this episode goes live. That sounds good. Yeah. Let's um, do that. You know who I bet had a really hard time with food was Professor Xavier, because he had to feed so many mutants. <laughs> right? I love this segue. Yeah, this is really good. It was, so that's what we're here to talk about this week. So let's go ahead and play the intro music and we'll get into it.
What's up, everybody? My name is Zeke. And I'm Kat. And we are here to ask the question, have you ever had rest-ons? Just kidding. (laughs) We're here to find out if Spider-Man was there. This is a podcast that Kat and I put together because I don't know a whole lot about Spider-Man. And Kat knows the whole- Only slightly less about Spider-Man than I know about tacos. That's very- Yeah, okay. So, so So the gradient is Kat- worked in a taqueria so like it's tacos and then spider-man in a taco and then right under that is spider-man the end and somewhere (laughs) in that gradient is is deadpool but deadpool likes chimichangas right deadpool actually doesn't particularly care for chimichangas it's been noted that he just likes saying the word which like i understand because sometimes i get into that like he does enjoy mexican food but like i think would prefer to eat tacos while yelling chimichangas Okay, that's fair. A taco is so much more fun to eat anyway. We kind of put this podcast together because just really love talking about comics and talking about plots. Kat and I are both writers. And so we thought, what if we just started making shit up? <laughs> so what we do, we have our show is in two segments. Uh, the first segment we call Elevator Pitch. Kat gives me a theme for the week. And then I have homework and I have to put together a pitch for what I hope is an original Spider-Man story. I'm not allowed to do any research. I go to Kat. I bring her the pitch. Kat is allowed to do as much research as she wants, though I imagine she probably doesn't have to do much. <laughs> and and then uh, we come here and then uh, you get to hear my organic reaction to find out whether or not my uh, story is canon. And much like a burrito from Taco Bell, there is a secret second half of this podcast, but Kat And does nobody eat. knows what it's made of. Yeah, we don't know what grade it is. We don't know what the quality is. Just kidding. It's going to be great because it's Kat's segment. <laughs> but let's go ahead and get into it. Kat, what's our theme this week? Spider-Man and the X-Men. I don't know if that's the music or not, but I'm really excited about this one. Me too. I have seen the X-Men movies that had Halle Berry in them, and that's it. Well, okay, but so does that mean you saw, like, the first three, and then you didn't see any of the later ones? Yeah, so I don't have the timeline quite right, again, because I was not allowed to do any research for this. So I know that, okay, so, like, whatever the original ones were, because, like, I saw the one with, like, the first X-Men, I know for sure I saw that one. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is the one with the lady, the lady version of Wolverine, except it's her whole body. Yeah. Right? Okay, so that's the second one. I saw that. And then the third one is the one where Jean Grey dies, right? Yeah. Saw okay. that No, one. I just thought it was funny that you said, like, the movies with Halle Berry is Storm. And I was like, it's funny that that's what Zeke said instead of Hugh Jackman. And then I was like, wait, but Hugh Jackman has actually been in many other X-Men movies. That's why I said that, because yeah. I know that there are Hugh Jackman yeah. <laughs> movie, Hugh Jackman Wolverine movies that I have not seen, which I know sounds traitorous if you've listened to the podcast before, because I'm like, Wolverine. But like, I think I enjoy Wolverine as a concept more than actually knowing anything about him, especially since having learned that he's particularly stinky, but oh well. Well, that being said, I think you definitely, after we're done today, need to set aside some time to watch Logan at the very least. Uh, the other Wolverine movies I think you can skip, but that one is just like, even if you don't know anything about X-Men, it's just a great movie. So just that's what I've heard. I've heard nothing but but shining praise for Logan. And honestly, like, I'm just in, I'm just really here for Hugh Jackman playing an old guy. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. where I mean, I, I could look at that forever. It's two and a half hours. No problem, baby. He's like the old snake of X-Men. Like, it's. Oh, yeah. So this week we're talking about X-Men and whether or not Spider-Man was there. 
And like I said, this one was kind of a challenge for me because I haven't really seen X-Men too much. I haven't really been exposed to too much of the media. I did grow up in Louisiana, so I do know more about Gambit than I know about any <laughs> any other X-Men character because every every nerd in Louisiana has a poster of Gambit somewhere in their house. But Gambit will not be making an appearance in my pitch today because... I understand that you and him have some creative differences. A few, yeah. And I don't want to. I don't want to spark <laughs> up any any controversy between the two of you. Gambit stands, though. I'm with you. So I thought about it for a while, and I thought the obvious plot point to me seemed like, what if Spider-Man was part of the X-Men? And then I thought, I know that. I know that exists. Duh. He's a man with spider powers of course he was in the x-men at some point somewhere sometime and i say that and it's probably gonna wind up not being true but i bet i'm sure it is and then i kind of sat back and i thought about like what experience i had with the x-men and i realized that there's one other franchise that i had seen that includes the x-men and it's deadpool because i know that deadpool is kind of on the outs with Colossus? Who's the guy? Who's the big metal oh, guy? Oh yeah, that's Colossus, yeah. Yeah, okay. I didn't remember Colossus's name. I, I do remember that I love him because he's a Russian himbo made of metal, <laughs> which, which is really all I need in life. But I know that Deadpool's kind of on the outs with him because he wants Deadpool to like be part of the X-Men or something. And I know that there's a teenage mutant who I am hesitant to call a girl. It seems like they're more of a gender non-conforming individual called, I'm gonna get this wrong, Negasonic Teenage Warhead? That's right. Oh, I did it! First take! <laughs> and so, like, I knew, like, the, these characters were, like, part of the X-Men, and there was sort of this, like, that will be part of the X-Men. So, my pitch was really thinking about how Spider-Man, in my experience, is very open to joining superhero teams. I feel like he thrives when he has a, a, a support behind him. He's definitely not like a Batman type, like, it's just me and I fight alone type of thing. Like, you know, he's like, yeah, Spider-Man and his friends. But I also know that Spider-Man and Deadpool have a very unique sort of bond with each other because they're heartmates, which is a new thing I learned. <laughs> and that's really incredible. So for my pitch, I just really... I. I feel bad because I'm coming into it this week with a little bit of a looser concept. I don't really have a, a story so much written out as I do kind of the idea that Deadpool is sort of in the middle of this. And on the one hand, the X-Men are like, oh, Peter Parker's kind of on our radar now. Maybe we should try pulling this guy in because it seems like he's doing good work. And like, we don't know if he's like a mutant or how he got his powers, but like, we should be talking. And then, you know, Deadpool's like, well, Spider-Man is also my friend and I don't really want you to touch my stuff. <laughs> so don't. <laughs> and I feel like there's some some conflict. Like, I, I know I kind of touched on this with the, like, Captain America episode with, like, there's this joint person that Spider-Man has a connection with. And so there is a conflict with someone else. But I think that there's sort of this idea of, like, Spider-Man could join the X-Men so easily and, and bring Deadpool with him and we could finally have him, like, as part of the team, as opposed to, like, we fought, we're, like, fighting against Deadpool, which to me seems like the more prevalent plot. So I guess my concept this week is I just, I thought, of, I thought I wanted a story where Deadpool's kind of in the middle of it. And on one side, he has the X-Men like tugging on him, like bring Spider-Man to us and then also be there. And then on the other hand, he kind of has Peter like, let be my friend and we can do this like duo thing, you know, and I can like teach you to, to be better. 
And so there's kind of a conflict, I guess, in the middle when they both find out that they're like Deadpool is on that side. You know what I mean? And so it's like, I guess I really just wanted to find out if there was if there was ever a conflict between Spider-Man and the X-Men that boiled down to either party's association with Deadpool. Mm. So I was really excited to do this episode because the X-Men are what got me into reading comics in the first place when I was like 11, 12 years old. Mm-hmm. I had a friend that was really into X-Men comics in particular and was just showing me like her favorite titles and her favorite characters and stuff like that. And I got into it that way. Mm-hmm. And it's been kind of that like on and off for me of like reading them and coming back for certain events. And, you know, I've seen like every X-Men movie. Unlike me. <laughs> <laughs> and even though the X-Men have a really long history and Spider-Man has a really long history and Deadpool's been around since the 90s. The number of times when these characters have all been in the same book or like in the same plot is not that high. Like Mm -hmm. you'll find incidents where like Spider-Man and the X-Men are having a plot or Spider-Man and Deadpool are having a plot or Deadpool and uh, the X-Men are doing a story. But a lot of times when it comes to all three of them, there's just not that many incidents or Mm -hmm. it's going to be something where it's a huge event and everybody's there. So it's kind of hard to say like, oh, this event is about like these three characters or these three teams or whatever. Sure. So I couldn't find something that was like what you're talking about. Uh, to be honest, the X-Men are not really keen on recruiting Spider-Man. And Spider-Man has not ever necessarily been keen on joining the team and like wearing an X-Men uniform. Um, okay. So that's interesting to me because like I was kind of curious initially, again, because I couldn't do any research for it. So really, like, I've been kind of chomping at the bit to, like, ask, Mm -hmm. like, these questions. So I'm sorry if I if I get you off track a little bit here. But like, because like, the X-Men are like mutants, like they're born that way. They're they're born with these powers. But Peter comes into his powers through the, the spider bite. So I'm curious, like, do like, do these characters usually exist within the same like universe? Oh, for sure. Yeah, um, they absolutely do. They exist in the same universe. But I think because a lot of the X-Men's energy is devoted to preserving the rights of mutants. Mm-hmm. And this will depend on who's leading the X-Men at the time. But they are kind of finicky on what defines a mutant. So, okay. for example, Spider-Man and t- technically Deadpool aren't mutants. They're mutates because something happened to them that caused them to mutate as opposed oh, to being okay. born intrinsically with a mutant ability. But Deadpool's kind of in that gray area because what happened to him was something that activated his latent mutant genes that theoretically anyone would have. Oh, okay. Um, so it's like you weren't born with blue eyes, but they activated your recessive blue eyes gene. Um, so technically you're part of the blue eyes club. But with Spider-Man, they're like, mm, those are contact lenses. Your <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> spider lenses can't fool us, Peter. Yeah. So comic books are have always been very political and allegorical. But mm. just because of what the X-Men are sort of meant to stand for, there is sort of that delineation as to like what is a mutant and who's welcome on the team. And it's not really to be exclusionary so much as it is to be clear on who and what they are, I guess. Sure. And to get a little bit off of like what I looked at today, for example, there was a recent event this last summer. House of X and Powers of X. And in this event, which is kind of a soft reboot for the X-Men, they just decide they're going to start their own mutant island. And it's mutants only. And they demand to be seen as a sovereign nation. And they decide that they're going to have their own mutant laws. And all mutants are welcome, but only mutants are welcome. And so Hmm. I think in that mindset, 
you can kind of see why this thing is so important to them as opposed right. to just like all supers are created equal. But yeah, that's getting into some some other stuff. But but yeah. um, Spider-Man does work well on a team most of the time. And he has worked on teams usually when there's like a crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's someone that is like, he's he's the first guy there. He's like, okay, yeah, what are we doing? Um, and they're like, I don't know, Spider-Man, you're the one with the most experience. You tell us. And he's like, oh shit, when did I become the adult like, in the room? he's like, I'm 14. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like what do um, you want from me? I'm baby. But I think a lot when of his said, teams- said, Spider-Man, give us your experience. He said, hello, how are you today? <laughs> I think a lot of times his teams are short-lived and a lot of that has to do with the fact that Spider-Man is very morally resolute, you know, when it comes to things like killing and what's permissible. And sometimes that doesn't jive with the team dynamic, depending on how serious people are about things. Sure. But speaking of moral compasses, we're going to jump into one of the titles I did find. I I just basically looked for things where we did have Spider-Man and Deadpool and the X-Men or Spider-Man and Deadpool and a third party with like a tug of war situation. So the first one I wanted to talk about, we did touch on in an earlier episode, just barely. And this is the Axis event. TLDR, Professor Xavier is dead, but Red Skull gets control of his brain and his power somehow. So he manages to use his psychic abilities to spread like a hate virus (laughs) over the globe. (laughs) Boy, we wouldn't know Um, anything about that. Yeah, that basically convinces masses of people to like kill mutants on site like even mutants Mm. who are just like you know my skin is purple that's it that's my mutation so this of course gets the x-men involved and at the time deadpool is camping out with the x-men and helping them because they've recently rescued a small group of mutant clones from north korea who are like a combination of x-men members and also deadpool and other dna or whatever so they look like if you took a bunch of members of the x-men but gave them like deadpool skin okay Um, so they've been rescued and they're just like camping out with the x-men and deadpool is there helping out with that whole situation and Mm -hmm. a bunch of heroes and deadpool go to like take down red skull and they try to invert the crazy amalgam that he's created with Professor Xavier's brain called a uh, red onslaught. That's dope as hell. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, like, I don't want to sit here and be like, hey, that Nazi villain thought up a really cool thing. But like, that's a that's a good ass name. Not um, like, um, who is the other guy who had a cadaverous? Come on, yeah. dude. Like, mm, okay, villains sorry. have style. It's it's hard to deny. Yeah. Comic book villains get the best, like, name. Disney villains get the best songs. It's just... Honestly, yeah, like, one of these days I'm gonna get to have my villain episode where I get to talk about why you should be horny for villains and ignore all this (laughs) weird purity culture going on right now. But, um, we're not gonna get into that, especially now where we're talking about Red Skull. (laughs) Uh, nobody be horny for Red Skull. You will get cancelled. That's my... That's law. So, go on. So, they're trying to, like, in Doctor Who terms, reverse the polarity of his evilness, but instead, they do that to everybody, and so everyone kind of gets zapped and gets their morality reversed, so, like, all of the X-Men become these, like, mutant supremacists, and um, a lot of heroes become these villains, and then a lot of well-known villains start having like moral changes of heart and like start becoming heroic and uh for deadpool he is sort of in that gray area anyway so he doesn't really have a morality flip but he becomes a character called zenpool where (gasps) he now has like a very non-violent and methodical mindset and he has some like inner monologues where he's talking to himself where like you see standard deadpool talking to zenpool who has like a black and white suit with like 
he looks like a monk version of Deadpool, like a Chinese monk. It's really cool. And it's a really cool concept. And I'm sad that it only exists for like a handful of issues. But Japan Marvel fandom fucking loves this guy. So he kind of gets dumped by the X-Men for obvious reasons, because they're being jerks. And the X-Men go and have this like mutant supremacy survival of the fittest rally. And Zenpool ends up because he's still, you know, at his core, a good guy. And he also abhors violence. And he's like, this looks like it's about to get really violent. Mm -hmm. And so he ends up finding what good guys are still good and what bad guys are now good and working with them. And there's a character named Evan, who is like a baby version of Apocalypse. He's like a kid, though. He's like 12 or something. And he and Deadpool have become really good friends. But now he's like souped up and like he's become like a full apocalypse. And so he's like spearheading this whole mutants will conquer the earth kind of thing. And he's got this bomb that's supposed to like kill all non-mutants on the planet. And so this is where Spider-Man comes into the story. I mean, he's been around before, but so Spider-Man and Deadpool are sent to go and disarm the bomb. And they have kind of a little buddy duo action there. And... Uh, Spider-Man is busy trying to disarm the bomb while Deadpool is trying to reason with Evan or the Evan that he believes is inside this apocalypse. And that doesn't go super well for him. Yeah, so things are things are going really terribly. Like if the X-Men just ever wanted to fucking kill everybody, it would be really, really bad <laughs> is what I learned from this, um, even with so many other characters trying to like stop them. And so... Deadpool ends up being decapitated by Evan slash Apocalypse, and so he's mm -hmm. out of the picture for a little while. Meanwhile, Spider-Man is like looking at this giant bomb. He's like, okay, I can't stop this. Maybe if I web it up and then Carnage shows up, but Carnage is a good guy now. And he's like, that's not going to happen. Like, even if we both used our webs, that wouldn't happen. So Carnage, Carnage is like, I'm going to wrap my weird Carnage body around this bomb while it explodes to stop the explosion. And Spider-Man's mm. like, that's going to kill you. And he's like, I know. But I'm good now. So it's I'm fine. good now. So this is what good guys do. But I want you to remember me to the world by making a giant rhinestone statue out of me that plays Freebird while draped in the Confederate flag. And Spider-Man is like, rhinestones Wait. and Freebird. I forgot the third thing. Wait, you can't. This is this ain't real. You're you're shitting me. Uh, no, that's what he this wants. <laughs> sure that if you go to like tennessee everybody has posters of carnage on their wall yeah okay all right all right yeah okay oh no oh okay yeah i do love like all right rhinestones free bird i have conveniently forgotten the third item. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, man so anyways uh they they managed to stop the bomb and reverse everybody back and the villains who had been heroic at the time actually recorded like a video to be like yeah we were being bad guys that whole time it was us because they knew that like when everything went back to normal if people were like oh my god all the good guys were doing all this shit like trust would never be restored so they basically right. agreed to take the fall so that things could get back to normal and so there's kind of a little <laughs> epilogue I'm imagining where, like a like a bunch of really bad villain TikToks where they're like to add like a selfie angle and they're like, "This was me. I burnt this building down." It's ba that's basically what it is. Yeah, oh it's my like God, it's so like funny. them with like their little like selfie camera and being like, "Yeah, we murdered the children and robbed yeah. the banks." So, yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and, the, and then there's carnage there's some like little epilogue shots of like everybody kind of getting back to normal and you can see like an aerial view of peter parker like 
gluing rhinestones onto the statue and he's like fucking <laughs> rhinestones and i just had to include that little detail i love so, it so much that was one plot where they were like all hanging out and like they were all mixed in the same pot i did want to mention really fast there is an arc it's such a long arc so i'm just gonna breeze through it real fast mm-hmm. but in spider-man deadpool there was an arc that was titled Spider-Man versus Deadpool. So like all the issues had a different title. It's still a part of the same series, but this sort of followed slash overlapped the end of the 2016 Deadpool series and the brief Despicable Deadpool series, which was on the tail end of Secret Empire. Mm-hmm. And this is so many overlapping things. This, this is again, one of those things where like so many little parts of the universe are coming together and you're kind of having to like read all these comics to piece together a story. And it's like, oh my God, this is why people don't buy comics. Right. Um, but to just kind of make it pretty short in the main continuity. So this would include the regular Spider-Man title, the regular Deadpool title and other titles. Basically, an evil version of Captain America showed up, convinced everybody he was the real Captain America, but he was actually a Hydra agent and super bad. But it took people a while to figure this out. And in the interim, people like Deadpool signed up for like the Avengers to follow him and carry out his orders, not realizing that they were bad orders. So mm-hmm. evil Captain America told Deadpool to kill Phil Coulson because he's like, he's a secret agent of Hydra. He's infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. And Deadpool's like, well, you're the boss and then kills him and then ah. realizes that was a mistake. And so after all the events of that comic book event washed out. People were like, okay, but Deadpool still killed Coulson, so we need to bring him to justice. And so there was like a whole arc where they're trying to catch him and track him down and make him at least stand trial. And the real Captain America's back and is like, look, I'll vouch for you that it wasn't your fault, but you still have to do this. And he's like, mm, I don't think so. And this overlaps with the arc in Spider-Man Deadpool where they like tipped their hat to the conflict, but they sort of changed it up so it made context in the universe with that if you hadn't read it where they're like uh deadpool decided for no particular reason to stop being a good guy and start selling weapons of mass destruction and it's like okay you can see why he would like get involved in shady stuff again while he's on the run sure um the practical upshot of this is that basically shield wants deadpool brought to justice Mm -hmm. and since spider-man is hanging out with shield agent mockingbird and they had a little bit of a smooch smooch kiss kiss for a hot minute there. It was a smoochin' um, story? It, it was a smoochin' story. Um, I love those. <laughs> she's like, okay, well, y'all guys are friends or something, so you're gonna come with me and we're gonna apprehend him. And he's then Spider-Man's like, I don't really want to do that. And meanwhile, Deadpool's got his like new team of mercenaries, and they're like, if anybody comes after us, we're gonna kill them. And that includes Spider-Man. And Deadpool's like, I don't really want to kill him, though. And then they end up finding out that Deadpool bit off more than he can chew and sold some weapons he shouldn't have sold to, well, he shouldn't have sold any of them, but some that he really shouldn't have sold to Chameleon. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole thing where they go and retrieve these weapons. And when it's all said and done, Deadpool's team is like, whatever, I guess they helped us. We probably don't have to kill them and eat their brains. And Mockingbird tells Spider-Man, you know what? whatever you decide is justice for him is fine. And Spider-Man's like, really? Like, I get to make this decision? She's like, yeah, I don't care anymore. So that was kind of more of like a everybody is out for Deadpool and like Spider-Man is kind of the only person in his corner that has like an understanding of who he is and who he could be. So it it wasn't really an X-Men story, but it just kind of had that balancing act that mm-hmm. I wanted to like mention. Yeah, that was what I came up with for this week. Okay, so pretty definitively off the bat, Spider-Man was not there. Spider-Man was not there. But I think it would be 
cool. I don't know. I know that it's, again, it's like an X-Men not super keen on Spider-Man kind of thing. But I guess I come from the idea that, like, sometimes a comic just has to be fun and, like, not make a whole lot of sense. Like, I mean, obviously it has to be some sense. But I just think it would be really fun to see, like, some of the less serious members of the X-Men be involved in this, like Colossus and Negasonic Teenage Warhead. But also, like, I remember when I was a kid and I was watching, like, X-Men Evolution. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the character like Nightcrawler and like um Sh- Kitty Pride in that show were like so fun to like watch and like they were they were really animated I mean haha animated but like they were really like vibrant like they felt like fully fleshed out characters like looking at it now it's like obviously I've been looking at it through nostalgia goggles no I will like, go here and I will stand for X Men Evolution like y- the first season especially is very like we're in high school like totally but mm-hmm. the later seasons like season three and season four especially of that show are mm, just so good so yeah. good watch x-men evolution and so like thinking about like those characters that i know i think to have like a setting like x-men evolution and have this bit where also like i know deadpool is like a grown-up funny character i get it i know his his butt is there um (laughs) like i get it i know that he's r-rated but i also just think it would just be so much fun like i think that there's so much to do with like side characters and background characters and deadpool and spider-man i don't know i say i plug this every time spider-man's not there if you write comics hit me up i don't really have a solid idea for this one but i mean we can we can go get some taco bell and hash it out i guess Um, actually, um, I think we should go get some Taco Bell right now. So we're going to go do that. And then when we come back, we'll do the second segment. Let's go. All right. What's up, everybody? We're back. Kat, what did you get from Taco Bell? Uh, I got a Meef Chewbacca. Okay. That's great. That sounds great. Because I actually got a Chewbacca Changa. There's a restaurant chain that some of you may know called Chewy's. It's fine. It's, it's white people Mexican food. It's, yeah, it's white people Tex-Mex, which is There's like... There's literally oh. like a jalapeno ranch dip, and I'm like, this is a spicy salad dressing. Yeah, it's that's, <laughs> yeah, it's literally it. But they have this chimichanga that you can order, and it's just a huge chicken chimichanga. It's like the biggest thing on their menu. Conversely, they also have a burrito you can get called the Elvis, which is covered in a Lay's chip batter and then deep fried. Ugh. It's super good, though. Um, Like, it's not, but it is. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Um, I know. So, like, one day, me and my ex heard that you could ask for the chimichanga Elvis style. (gasps) And we were like, oh, my God, can you? So we go to Chewy's. The service sits us down. We go, listen, we just want to shoot straight with you. Here's what we want to drink. Here's what we want for an appetizer. We want to know if you can Elvis style the chimichanga. And the waiter's like, no one has ever asked for that. And we were like, damn, (laughs) this is like a Starbucks secret menu thing. Damn, we're so sorry. We didn't mean to be like this. And the waiter goes, let me find out. Leaves. We're like looking at each other. We're like, what are we going to do? Oh, my God. We're like those people now. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The waiter comes back and goes, the cook says he can do it. And he also says it's called the Chewbacca Changa. (laughs) And we were like, are you kidding? And the waiter was like, no, like, that's what he told me to tell you guys. So like, that's yeah. And we were like, surely this guy is yanking our chain. So we like, we ate them and it was, you know, I mean, we had heart attacks each. It was fine. (laughs) We went back and we ordered the same thing again. And then we had a different waiter and the waiter came back and was like, 
Yeah, we can totally do that for you. Also, the cook says that that's called a Chewbacca Changa if you ever want to order it again. And we were like, are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you can do it at every Chewy's, but if you go to the Chewy's in Franklin, Tennessee, I bet you can order a Chewbacca Changa. But I would not advise it for your health and well-being. If you love your family, don't order that. (laughs) I survived. I got away with my life. This is the second part of the podcast. Kat, what are we doing this part? This part of the podcast is called Two Truths and a Fic. And I have come prepared with two canon Spider-Man storylines and the one that I have lifted from an obliging fan work. And I'm going to give them to Zeke and Zeke has to try and figure out which one of them is the fanfic. I'm so bad at this game. I can't figure out the formula. I just can't. We've been doing this for, this is episode 12. We've been doing this for 11 episodes now. You'd think that I would have it figured out that I would be able to like be in the cat psyche and be like, okay, this is the formula. And you get me every time. But this, I feel like I'm really at a disadvantage here. (laughs) Cause I don't know jack about any of these people. But let's go ahead. Let's see. Cause these always wind up also being like the wildest plots I've ever heard of in my life. And then you're like, oh, they went to the moon and everyone turned into a laser. And I'm like, that one's the fan fiction. You're like, just kidding. That happened in 1962. <laughs> like, so, <laughs> so we'll see. All right. What's the um? What's my sticker on the line this week that I will not win? Well, I thought I didn't have any X-Men stickers because there's just not enough X-Men merchandise. You're telling me uh, you don't so- have a Gambit sticker for me this week? I don't have a Gambit sticker for you. But since okay. we spent so much time talking about Axis and learning about the other side of some of our beloved characters, I picked out a sticker that I think showed us a different side of someone that is beloved to all of us. So I have a very cute, chibi Tom Holland umbrella sticker where he's like wearing the Rihanna outfit. What? Where did you get that? These are some stickers I bought from a Korean artist online. They were posting like their fan works and their stickers and postcards and stuff like that. And I bought a little bundle from them. Oh my God. This is a very special sticker. That is hugely special. Okay. So Tom Holland umbrella. This one's very special. It is. All right. I'm focused. I'm here. I'm in the zone. You're in the danger room. I'm in the, yeah, I'm in the escape room. <laughs> Let me out. The escape room? <laughs> <laughs> if I get, if I manage to get out, I find all the keys or whatever, and I pick up the phone at the right minute, I can leave. I would, I would love an X-Men themed escape room. That sounds amazing. I think that the, like, last thing you should have to do is pick up the picture frame and look at it like Wolverine. <laughs> like, lay, you have to and lay on the it. bed and hold it and touch it just so and a key falls out of it. And they're like, you did it. You won. <laughs> All right. Give me the first plot, please. All right. Here we go. Kicking back and enjoying some reality TV with the X-Men would normally be a dream come true for our friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Starring in said programming while fighting for his life? Well, Spidey may need to renegotiate his contract. That's not fair. I love reality TV. <laughs> I love garbage reality TV. That would be, I would be so addicted to that. Man, keeping up with the X-Men. <laughs> Sorry, I just had the the image of like Spider-Man just like sitting there like, okay, we're on reality TV. I'm like reading a book here at the X-Men house, whatever it's called, the uh, Mutant Manor. And, like, Jean Grey walks in and just slams him with her, like, just clocks him with her purse. And she's like, don't be <laughs> fucking rude. <laughs> Which is my favorite moment. Did from you drink milk the- out of the carton? For- Bam! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, re- reality TV Spider-Man, I already love. It's already my favorite. But 
let's go ahead and hit on uh, plot two, please. All right, number two. Spider-Man and Wolverine team up to take down a mutant kidnapping ring, but it turns out to be a more dangerous mission than the two veteran heroes bargained for. With the old guard missing, it falls to Laura Kinney and Miles Morales, the all-new Wolverine and Spider-Man, to save the day. Okay. Okay. I do like this. I do like that Miles is in it, because I love Miles. I've never heard of Laura Kinney. So Laura Kinney is... She went by um, Weapon 23 for a while. Well, I, she, I can see how she would want to have a regular name, yeah. Yeah. She is a clone of Wolverine, but they were like, well, we we did that experiment. But you know what? The reason that we couldn't control Logan is because he was a dude. Obviously, if we change the DNA and make a clone of Logan that's a girl she'll be easier to control and will be our super assassin. And then she like became a teenager and is like, but what if I am not that? And uh, now she's an adult character. And uh, when Wolverine was dead for a while, she took on the mantle of Wolverine. And I think they both just share it now that he's back from the dead. But if you watched Logan, which I'm sure you're going to do now, she's in that as a child. Okay. Okay. So she's the little, the little girl. Yeah. The little girl in that. Okie doke. Okay, cool. All right. I'm with you. Okay, plot number three, please. Number three. Spider-Man makes good on a promise he made to Wolverine before his death to uncover the mole lurking at the Jean Grey School for Higher Learning. But since he can't just storm in webs blazing, he decides to do his detective work by becoming the Institute's newest teacher. Oh no, that one's horny. What? Sorry, Spider-Man teacher is automatically horny coded in my brain. (laughs) Because if he's old enough to be a teacher... He's old enough to look hot doing it. He's old enough to wear elbow pads. Oh man. Damn. <laughs> those are the kind those are the kind of professors you can bully though. Not the ones that you call daddy. Like if your professor has elbow pads, you're legally allowed to bully him into giving you good grades. <laughs> that's that's the Zeke Miller school of academic excellence. Damn, I really like that one too. Oof. I love a good undercover story. Okay. So reality TV Mutant kidnapping ring, hot Professor Spider-Man. Man, I really want that one to be canon. The, okay, so the mutant kidnapping ring seems the most likely to be canon, just for the inclusion of Laura Kinney in it. Like, it just seems to me that that kind of, like, coming together would be canon. This is really hard, because those are two, like, equally very creative plots on either side. I feel very confident that the, that the middle one is canon. And I feel like that happens to me all the time. I'm always like, the second one's canon. And then, like, it's kind of a crapshoot whether or not it is. But this time, I really, like, I feel it on my jellies that that's the, the canon story. Do you know what? I think the reality TV one is canon. Because it's it would be hard to write that as, like, a fan fiction and have it, like, play out well. TV is a very... obviously it's a very visual medium and i feel like it would just work better for a comic than it would a fan fiction and also someone else's brain had to be where mine was i refuse to believe that peter parker becomes a teacher was not written with a single horny brain cell um (laughs) i just can't i can't accept that reality yeah even if that winds up being the canon one i see you comic book author writer i know but I don't think it is canon. I think that one's the fanfic. So that's my final answer is canon, canon, fanfic. Sadly, 
That is incorrect. No! I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. Little oh. little tiny umbrella spidey is going to have to dance another day. Tom Holland, I I loved you so much. I please know that this is my my most bitter goodbye. Okay, tell me what I did wrong. Tell me where I where I diverged from the the path. Okay, well you got the first one right. The reality TV one is canon. Okay. Um, okay. Honestly, I'm thrilled because like that one was the hardest decision for me. I was I was like, man, I don't, I just can't. So I'm so glad that one's canon. So please tell me about it. Yeah. So the X Men have definitely had a lot of encounters with TV or being put on alien television for sport and things like that. Like Mojo, that's his whole shtick. This comes from an issue of Ultimate Spider-Man and. I mentioned in an earlier episode that for a little hot minute there, young Peter Parker is dating a young Kitty Pride, And so he gets roped into the occasional X-Men shenanigans. Basically what happens is that the X-Men get kidnapped and airlifted from their mansion or whatever by this universe's Deadpool, who's kidnapping them to put them on like a battle royale all these monsters are going to come at you and you have to defeat them. Reality TV program. But he doesn't account for Spider-Man being there or he just thinks that like this random kid is in the neighborhood and like accidentally scoops him up. So Spider-Man ends up being like an unaccounted for variable. Okay. And the program is basically designed that it was like, these are the, you know, 10 X-Men or whatever that we've kidnapped and we've created this, scenario and obstacle course to systematically kill them but because spider-man is there it throws all of that out of whack and everybody ends up surviving except deadpool but that's fine because this version of deadpool is the absolute worst and i wanted to throw this one in here just because it was sort of like the opposite of how you had originally pitched your idea to me where like deadpool's in trouble with the x-men but because spider-man is there he's less in trouble i was like well deadpool's in trouble with the x-men but because spider-man is there he's more in trouble he's more in trouble i love it <laughs> so yeah because spider-man is there he helps like rebalance the scales and then they manage to escape and the X-Men are kind of like, wow, you seem to get in a lot of trouble when you hang out with us. And Spider-Man's like, yeah, f- funny how that works. Um, Spider-Man's like, yeah, do you notice I don't hang out with you guys that much? <laughs> yeah, basically. The second one was the fanfic. And I picked this one just because I really liked the way that it was balanced. I really liked the idea of having the old guard, the old version of the characters, and the new version of the characters like on these two teams. And I think something that's really important about both Laura and Miles is how wholeheartedly their predecessors have endorsed them as independent heroes. Like Miles Morales isn't like, you know, Spider-Man isn't like, it's cool, you can do spider things, but can we call you like Spider-Boy or like Spider-Dude? He's like, no, you're Spider-Man. That We're both Spider-Man. That's how it is. And like, that's good. Laura's like, I'm going to be Wolverine because Logan's dead. But when he comes back, he's like, we're just both Wolverine now. Like you earned it. You're Wolverine. And I really like that wholehearted support of like the quote unquote next generation, even though they're not like disappearing necessarily, like Peter Parker's still around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this story really capitalized on that and allowed the new characters to be useful and interesting and, you know, work together. Um, so this story is called, Spider-Man and Wolverine Legacies, and it's by Archer Septile. And yeah, I just thought it was like a cool concept and something that I could genuinely see 
as a comic. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Like, when you pitched that one to me, it was so... Not when you pitched it, I guess when you described it to me. Like, the way that it played out, I literally, like, I heard it and I was like, obviously this has to be canon because it sounds like it is so, like, multi-layered and it's so, like, well thought out. Like, the, like... The story has a flow and there's there's going to be a, like a peak to the action and it, it involves like these really well-known characters and like characters that are well-known to like comic enthusiasts, but maybe not an intro reader. And I was like, man, this like this has to has to has to be canon. And I always love when I think that and then it's a fan fiction because, again, I will literally never stop singing the praises of fan creators and fan authors in particular. So I'm really excited to go look that one up and read it and be inevitably blown away. Um, <laughs> so thank you so much, Archer Septile. You are out here with the big, big brain ideas. Genius just jumping out. <laughs> All right. Tell me about Elbow Patch Peter Parker. <laughs> uh, so this is actually a whole miniseries called <gasps> Spider-Man and the X-Men. Uh, and I do mean miniseries. It ran for six issues. That's and perfect. this is it's it is a beautiful bite-sized juicy little comic book nugget that like i don't feel like you really need to be super plugged into like what's happening in x-men at the moment and what's happening in spider-man like you can just enjoy this little series for what it is and have a great time it's some of the most fun comics i've read in a long time and it was one that like this is the reason i wanted to do an x-men episode is because i wanted to talk about this comic okay so this has all been the agenda to get to this point so yeah so basically what happens is that Wolverine has died for a little bit. And before that, I think there's like a little cute image where Logan has sent Spider-Man like it looks like it's scrawled on a cocktail napkin or a post-it or something. And he's like, hey, remember what I told you about? Like, I need you to actually go do that. But the thing is, is kind of what we talked about is that Spider-Man is not like super buddy buddy with the X-Men. And with the exception of Logan, who can smell anything they don't know who he is. Like, they don't know his secret identity. Mm-hmm. And because of that, and because the X-Men are all about, like, they're not really about secret identities. Like, they have code names, but that's not the same thing. That breeds a lot of distrust in the X-Men who were there at the time. Mm-hmm. And so, basically, Spider-Man shows up as Spider-Man, and he's like, hey, I have this paperwork and these letters and stuff from Logan, and this is what he wanted me to do before he died. And they're like, only because we trust Logan so much are we allowing this to happen. We do not like you and we do not trust you. And you're going to be walking around our halls like in your full costume with your mask on. And that's just not what we're about. And there's a lot of friction there. Like even as like Storm is like flying him into the school, she's like actively telling him how much she doesn't want him to be there. Hey, why are the X-Men such little bitches? I I don't they just don't have taste. At the L, they're like a mean <laughs> kids club. Like like they're literally like Regina George in the plastic. Spider-Man's like, "Listen, I got some shit to do." They're like, "You can't sit with us." Well, so they don't know about the mole situation. Basically, mm-hmm. like like Wolverine is like, "Look, I can't have them do it because they have preconceived notions about the student body and you have an outside opinion. You're going to come in and be objective. But also if you let them know why you're really here, they're going to interfere and they're going to be like, no, it couldn't be this kid or it's probably this kid or whatever. And like, I need you to go in not trusting anybody and just being like objective about what you see. And so they're, they're basically just like, 
why are we having this random outsider come in here and teach what, what is this superhero ethics? Like, what do you think we're not ethical enough? Like, what the fuck? Um, he's not. Incredible. He doesn't even go here. <laughs> <laughs> so they they have their reasons, and they're they're kind of understandable, especially because like you know X Men business and like Avengers business and super business, like these are kind of separate things, but. It is so freaking cute. Like, first of all, he basically gets the class of, like, we'll just say the underperformers. I love um, it. The trouble kids. And he also, like, he wears his Spider-Man uniform the whole time. But, like, he'll put, like, a like a jacket over it. <laughs> like I a, love it. Like a suit top over That's it. That's so cute. Um, and so there's, like, a panel where he's introducing himself to the class who, like, they might as well be in detention as for as much as they want to be there. And he's like writing his name up on the board, but he's writing like Mr. Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> he's writing professor. And it's like that bit from Friends where you can't remember if it has two F's or like yeah. two S's or whatever. Yeah. So he tells them like, oh, we're going to learn about, you know, superhero ethics. And then they go on a lot of field trips. They have a lot of misadventures. It's the kind of stuff where, like a Miss Frizzle situation where like, he's like, all right, we're going to go to the museum, but then there's a heist at the museum and then Spider-Man and all the kids have to like, you know, save the day or whatever. There is a panel that has become a meme that is from this comic. If you've ever seen oh. the panel. Yeah. If you've ever seen the panel where Spider-Man is talking to like this pterodactyl man and he's like, but with your technology, you could cure cancer. And the dinosaur man is like, I don't want to cure cancer. I want to turn people into dinosaurs. <laughs> That's from this comic? Uh, um, yeah. I, you know what? That is so incredibly specific. But I like, I just Googled it and I'm looking at it and I'm like, I've, see, I've seen this a million times. Yeah. Yeah. So if that is funny to you and that is your sense of humor, you will probably enjoy this whole series. Like it is definitely lighthearted and silly. And I genuinely love stories where spider-man gets a chance to interact with kids for like any period of time mm -hmm. because he does just have that really youthful playful like sensibility at heart and i think it's it's really funny in this especially because he's like all right like i'm gonna be the guy from stand and deliver i'm gonna be jaime escalante and the kids are like uh can we just have quiet period and read <laughs> he's yeah, just like can we no just not participate <laughs> I didn't get my permission slip for him. He's like, that's not a thing here. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's so cute. Yeah, it's really, really cute and really fun. And I highly recommend it. I'm I'm going to read it for sure. There, there are so many times that we come into this and I'm like, okay, Kat's going to talk about a comic. And like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to read it because it's like part of a big series, but I'll do my best. And then sometimes you're like, and then this comic is six issues long and it's the cutest thing in the world because spider-man just follows a puppy around and i'm like i can't <laughs> wait like, <laughs> yeah wow i love it i love that that's canon also i did look up a picture of him in the coat and while he does not have elbow patches and therefore is not bullyable it is way too big for him and that yes. is very cute yeah, I love it. That's so good. Honestly, yeah, I'm. I agree. Anytime there's a story where Spider-Man gets to interact with kids, that really feels like the like the heart of what Spider-Man is. Like, you know, like I know that there's this whole conversation about like comics not being for kids anymore or whatever. I know a lot of people believe that they weren't really ever for kids, but like, I don't know. I just look at Spider-Man and I'm like, how could you? How could you ever look at this hero and be like, yeah, children not for him, like. <laughs> You know, like, even if the comics themselves aren't for children, Spider-Man, I think, just his persona is, like, also 
kids are great. Yeah. Well, yeah. what I like about Spider-Man is that he's a very versatile ca- character and yeah. he's a character that comes in a lot of flavors. And mm-hmm. my personal favorite is, you know, following a puppy around, being a dork with kids and these like really cute kind of sentimental stories. But, mm-hmm. you know, he's also a character that can be on top of a building crouched looking at his fist if that's what you really want. <laughs> <laughs> looking at his fist that's it's raining he just stands <laughs> up there and looks at his back fist i'm pleasantly disappointed i don't know i never know how to end this segment by being like and i was wrong again but i always enjoy being wrong just because it's always interesting to find out what's really out there which is the whole point of the show So I've had a good time. I do have one more question for you. Yeah. Actually, I have two. First of all, actually, I do want to say that this is the future. So you're listening to this. We are in the future right now. Um, Kat and I are currently in the present. This is an anthropology thing where it's like a consistent present. Like even the people in the past, that was their present. We'll move on. Yesterday was Kat's birthday. It's true. So happy birthday, Kat. I know you're 21. And... (laughs) So if you guys want to uh, wish Kat a very, 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 very belated happy birthday, not that belated, I guess like four or five weeks belated, <laughs> um, you can uh, tweet her a birthday wish at was Spidey there on Twitter, or you can email her a super cool e-card at our email address uh, was Spidey there at gmail.com. So my two questions for you are number one, did you do anything fun for your birthday? And two, do you have any cool uh, Spider-Man trivia for us this week? To answer your question, yes, I did have a very cool virtual dinner party with my friends where I made birthday boxes for everyone that had mm-hmm. some very fancy steaks and some side dishes and stuff that I made. And everybody took it home and like cooked at the table and while well, we had a video chat and then we played some games online. And then my wonderful husband uh, has been practicing very hard for a few weeks so that he could fulfill the one birthday wish that I had, which was to hear him play Careless Whisper on the saxophone. <gasps> so, wow! So he learned that song and then played it for everybody over the video call, and uh, that was a, a great way to end the evening. I said, who needs Blue Apron? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't deliver. You had to come to my house. Uh, oh, okay. Well, still. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you get a sax solo, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, dinner and a show. As for the trivia, I have an X-Men fact for today. Okay. Did you know that the best X-Man is Nightcrawler? I did, actually, because I've been friends with you for years. <laughs> um, that one I did know. Not that I want to give away details of where you live, but if you ever go to Kat's house, which would be wild, but if you ever do, there is like a bespoke (laughs) wall of just nightcrawling things, and you're like, oh, this is it. But then, as you travel through the house, there are more. (laughs) It's like, like, oh, I didn't know there was this much art of nightcrawler, and it's like every time I go, there's like new stuff on the walls, and I'm like, oh, okay. Um, So nightcrawler then. So how do yeah. we, how are we feeling about Nightcrawler? Object objectively the best, the best boy. So that that's that's your first fact. Your bonus fact is that when Nightcrawler was originally created by Dave Cockrum, mm-hmm. he was not the Nightcrawler we know and love today. He was actually a bad guy that was like the character design he created was actually meant to be a bad guy like henchman character 
Mm-hmm. for some bad guy that was going to appear in Batman at the time. Wow. And so he was like, all right, so like there's the main bad guy and then he's going to have like this creepy little minion who's like blue and he's just going to look like a demon, but you know, blue and stuff. And yeah, and he's just going to lurk in the background and stuff like that. That's cool. And then that character and whatever storyline they had didn't pan out, but I guess he still had the idea lying around. So when they pitched the all new Uncanny X-Men he was like, wait, this this idea was kind of cool. I kind of like this. And so he revived the character design, but obviously completely changed the character and made him mm-hmm. the goodest boy. Yeah, Kurt Wagner is one of the only characters in comics that I know more about than just like surface level knowledge, which is wild because I know so much about him and so little about like the rest of the X-Men. <laughs> um, but it's because Kat and I do have that in common that he is, in our opinion, the goodest boy. Kat and I share creative differences over Gambit, but we do have a common interest in Nightcrawler. But that's really cool to know that he was almost in Batman. Yeah. He was, yeah. he was, he was almost the one on top of the building looking at his fist. Probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this has been a lot of fun. I'm really glad that we got to um, get together and talk about such a cool, diverse storyline this week. So thank you for your time. And the rest of you, my name is Zeke. And I'm Kat. And uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. What's up, Spider Pals? It's Zeke. If you enjoyed the stories that we talked about in today's episode, you should go check out the issues they're from. And they are Avengers vs. X-Men, number 7 through 9, Spider-Man vs. Deadpool, numbers 23 through 36, Deadpool 2016, numbers 35 and 36, Despicable Deadpool, numbers 287 through 300, Ultimate Spider-Man, numbers 93 through 94, Spider-Man and the X-Men, issues 1 through 6. And our featured fanfic this week was Spider-Man and Wolverine Legacies by Archer Septile. That's S-C-E-P-T-I-L-E, Archer Septile. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.